Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where by the time you hear this show, or you watch the show for that matter, the concert of the century will be over. You will have heard JM and the AM and its recap, and I will be on a plane back to New York, 10 pounds heavier. Good morning, everyone. This is Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Thank you for joining me here. This is a special That's Life coming to you from Paris. Yeah, that's, that, that wasn't your mic. That wasn't your ears. We seriously are in Paris. Actually, we are recording this show right now in La Victoire, which is the quote-unquote nickname for the Great Synagogue of Paris as the street. This is on Rue, La, Rue de la Victoire. I think that I got that correct, though uh, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people who are rolling their eyes at my American pronunciation of the street. If you can hear the music in the background, and only Yoni will know if you can hear the music in the background, as Yoni is... No, Yoni's saying no, Miriam. Only you can hear the music. What? It did stop? Oh, the music stopped. The day the music died? <laughs> That's more exomic. I hope you can hear... What? Music's <laughs> In the background, as we are recording this show, is uh, going on one of the sound checks for our program tonight, Let There Be Light, the Concert of Jewish Unity, which you have been hearing about for what feels like months. I don't know that we've actually been discussing it on the air for months, but Nahum and I have been discussing it for months, and our unbelievable team has been part of this for months, and we included our listenership and our audience in about in on the plan a couple of weeks ago. I don't even remember. It was probably a month ago at this point, but Nachum will join me on the air in just a moment or two to fill in what I'm sure are some of the gaps in my memory because everything has just come to a head and there is so much adrenaline and so much energy going on right now. <sighs> the fact that I still know my name is quite impressive. I want to thank Yoni, who is sitting in for ZK and Avrami this morning. A shout out to ZK and Avrami for all their help. Uh, behind the scenes back in our home studios in New York. We really appreciate them, and thank you both very, very much. Yoni had a lot of on-the-job training, both from ZK and from Mark Zamek, who joined us here in Paris as our producer of both radio programs from here, and I would say also as uh, the producer of that, That's Life, going on, as you know, as we speak. Jamie Turkel is here also. Jamie has been uh, not only, I would say, keeping me calm and caffeinated, but uh, in charge of all, all of our social media. My thanks to Jamie and my thanks to Yoey Turkel for putting up the fact that we took his wife away from him during Hanukkah. Um, I have so much, we have so much going on. I'm not doing the national holidays, folks, because frankly, I don't know what the national holidays are in France, so we're just going to skip them for the moment. I do know that the other day was December 7th, was a day that will live in infamy. And of course, uh, that is, was a major, major important day in U.S. history, the day that uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed. But I would not say that that was a national holiday. It's certainly a day of, memor of memory. This morning, actually, speaking of memory, we uh, went to the memorial at the Bataclan Concert Hall, which is where the massive attack took place here in Paris just a couple of weeks ago. We felt that our mission to come here Nahum's uh, Jewish Unity Initiative was important before that event took place and the events of that Friday night took place, but how much more so after we were there today. So if we could pass Nahum a mic. Let me get that over there for you. You got the blue mic. Okay. Hello, hello. hello. Hi, Nahum. Hello, hello. It is very unusual for you to join me on That's Life. Yes. 
You're usually not in the studio around 10.30. <laughs> You're still coming back from FMU. And how much more unusual that this show is emanating from Paris, France. If you would have told us that a few months ago, <laughs> that there would be an addition of That's Life. Months. <laughs> <laughs> Even a few minutes ago, according to Mark Zomick, that there would be a, an addition of That's Life coming from Paris. I don't think we would have believed it. Par Peanut Gallery, by the way, brought to you by Mark Zomick. We will get to Mark certainly in a moment. So, Nahum, there have been a number of pivotal moments in your career, and... Tonight is no different. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But on a completely different note, I was a, an observer this morning at the Bataclan when we all joined and we were joined by the five um, unbelievable performers who headlined our concert and Uziat Sadok, who's this unbelievably cute little kid from yeah, he's his, little. He really, he's really is. little. He's no, but I'm <laughs> serious. Even compared right, to again, me, he's really a small little kid. Right for those people, I didn't realize how young the winner of the contest was. He's 11. That's it. No, but not everyone is watching your snarkiness, Mark. I mean, your peanut gallery, Mark. Mark is for those of you who can't see. Mark is stacking the concert bracelets that Mark made. Okay, somebody played with Legos as a child. Anyway. Yes, you... What? Okay. Anyway, can we... What Mark... Do you do, what do you do at the Shabbos table when you have no phone to play with? You pile things up. I don't know. I eat. But that's another story for another day. But let's go... I was an observer. So I watched you and President Joel, who was able to join us this morning, and Robert Ben Ramon, and again, the five performers, take a moment. You really took a beat to stop and pay tribute to the, the unbelievable tragedy that befell... Paris just a couple of weeks ago and the gravity of that moment and standing there with people who were sobbing just to yeah, know there were people a month later sobbing right just to know that a couple weeks later a couple hours later we were going to be going into this but you were in the midst of all that so I just I wanted I know how I felt as an observer I wonder how you felt as somebody who was part of the moment you know it's interesting Richard Joel the president of Yeshiva University is standing there with me, and he conveyed this, even though I don't know if he said it exactly this way. You see all the images from around the world. <laughs> you know, you could be anywhere, and, you've, and all of us have seen the memorials, and we've right. all seen the flowers and candles and pictures and drawings and everything that people have created to leave there as a memorial. And there's nothing like being there. There's nothing like being there. It, 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 I mean, I've see, how many photos and videos have I seen of that scene outside the theater. Right. And just being there on the spot, not with a large crowd, it's a month later, it's not like people are just you know, gathering there constantly. It's more, I think, now of a tourist attraction and maybe people from outside of Paris who are coming in to see it. But you see it, and the gravity, the enormity of the entire thing starts to sink in. And then you're, you know, you're shown exactly where different things happened and what the block was like that night. I mean, you can only imagine that that thoroughfare Packed. was thrilled. It was thrilled was filled with the emergency vehicles and the panic and the terror and the stress that was striking everybody. So being there was a, was a unique experience. And I never thought that that number of weeks and days after the attack, it would have that kind of effect on me. So you asked about what it felt like. I think that was the, uh, the thing that hit me the most, that people around the world watch and we see things and we don't realize that the enormity of it until you're actually on the spot. For me, it was a Yom HaZikaron into Yom HaAtzma'ut moment, and I sort of feel like we're in that gray area right now where we hear the sound checks going on, and we've watched the musicians start coming into La Victoire, and we've seen the lighting, and 
watching them test everything. And still, it's very overwhelming for you and for me to be in this spot at this present moment. There's a lot of nervousness. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of, wow, this was a dream just a couple of months ago. And, and look where we are right now. But to stop and take a beat this morning to remind ourselves that as wonderful as this is going to be tonight, as incredible it is going to be tonight, there was still a tremendous amount of tragedy that inspired us to come here in the first place. Yeah, even before November 13th. Right. And we can't, we can't forget that. That's a really important point. We can't just go on like this is just another Hanukkah concert because it certainly is not. And if it was, this would be a totally different atmosphere and, and we wouldn't have a tribute tonight to the four families from the hyper attack who all lost loved ones, who are all participating in some way, shape, or form in the candlelighting tonight of the menorah, who are all flown in and, and made such an effort by all of us to make sure that they were here tonight and that they felt included and that they helped, you know, come back into the community. I, I don't, I thank God don't have the, the experience, I haven't had the experience of coming out of a year of Avelis, but this is the end of their year, and it's almost like we are helping them reconnect. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that that's how they feel, and I, I think based on their reaction, the fact they wanted to be here, they do feel that way, and they, also there comes a time when um, you have to get back to, I don't want to say normal life because life's never normal after tragedies like this. But, you know, we have to get back on your feet and get a little bit of a lift and certainly utilize a holiday like Hanukkah to celebrate. And I think all that together has inspired the families to participate and be part of this. I also found that listening to Uziat Sadok sing this morning, and I know that we've already posted the video of um, his beautiful singing this morning. And actually, he was with them. Um, it's like Daria when they did right. the... Uh, at the memorial. Right, at the memorial this morning. But hearing the angelic voice of this, literally, little boy <laughs> sing in front of what is an unspeakable tragedy, just an unfathomable tragedy, there was, there was a little bit of purity that came out from that entire experience. And, and truth be told that I am sure... Ohad would have done a great job singing and all of the men would have done a great job singing and everyone would have been part of something. But to hear it come out of a little boy's mouth, right. to hear him sing just added some kind of childlike purity to the moment. No question about it. The innocence that uh, was enjoyed by Paris, France for a while, that was broken by that night of terror, I think uh, was symbolized by him. And I think there's a way for people, collectively, certainly as a community, to get back to that point. It takes a while. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's interesting that he was chosen actually to do that because it's not just the innocence and the, the youthfulness that he exhibits, but also the, the, you know, the future. He represents mm -hmm. the future and he represents, right. you know, our hopes that... Uh, Good point. He represents our hopes that, um, that people will be able to move forward. And a lot of times older people facing these situations find it difficult, so... The youth shall lead us. <laughs> and in this case, uh, he symbolized that, that's for sure. I also thought about for a second the fact that he, he lives in a country where they have had numerous experiences with terror. And so he's not a typical American kid who doesn't get what it means to live with terror. I think that's what fascinated some of the passers-by, that they realized that this was either you know, a group from Israel or a Jewish group, obviously, based on the way we were dressed and stuff. Right. 
And I think that sort of made everyone take a second look. Right. Like these people who are normally the target, the number one target mm-hmm. in the world are stopping to pay tribute here. I thought that was interesting. We also have um, softened our stance on wearing kipot out in public on this trip. I think that there were a number of us, I know you were not on this, this side of the fence, but there were a number of us who had concerns about people wearing their kipot in public in France. And now, yes, to be very honest with everyone, we have a security detail. We did not come on this trip um, just with me and my mace that I keep on my keychain. Um, we have a, a wonderful team of four individuals who have really been making sure that we are protected, not because we feel that we are at risk, but just because safety is a number one concern and we all have families and and it was a, the right move to make. Yeah, in this circumstance, it was right. the right move. But to see all of these men wearing their kippot, standing at this memorial, and this little boy with his payas and his kippa singing, it was just, there, there, was, there was, you're right, it did add an additional level of intrigue, like what are those people doing over there? Yeah. But there was also, I mean, as a person standing next to the people with kippot, I did not feel at all at risk or, or in danger, to use you know, a, an extreme term, at yeah. all. I think when people talk about wearing uh, yarmulke, kippah on the streets of Paris at this point, I mean, obviously they're not talking about you know, in large groups and probably not usually during the daytime and things like that. And with a security detail. Right, but right. they have concerns. Look, it's, it's a, we, it, this is something we are never, people like to always um, cite the Six-Day War mm. as the demarcation uh, of when Jewish Jewish men in the United States, you know, right. switched from covering their kippot <laughs> to exposing their kippot, and uh, and we're lucky. We're lucky. We live in a country where generally we could go anywhere, and you know, you may get uh, a look or two, but you generally know it's not going to cause you know major consternation if you're right. <laughs> walking around with one. Here, that's not the case. The reality is, and we were here a couple of weeks ago. Someone turned to me and said. You just never know. In a mm. second's notice, you never know what may happen and why and who may do something and why. So it's, a little, it's different here. And I think, look, you said this, I think, after the first time you were here. It has given us a greater appreciation for the Absolutely. good old USA. Absolutely. Landing in New York. Um, <laughs> never felt better. Never felt better. <laughs> You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network, coming to you from the beautiful La Victoire in Paris, France, the great synagogue of Paris. I am here with Nahum Siegel. I'm here with Mark Zamek, who we certainly have to get on, I mean, officially, because you have heard his voice <laughs> at various points already during this program. Hi, Mark. Hello, Miriam. No, do not. Is that Why? your announcer voice? It is my, well, I have, to, I have to hold a hand up to your ear to be an announcer. I know, but you're a little like pulling Elvis here right now. I got to be honest with right. you. <laughs> How's your uh, stacking of your bracelets going? My stacking of my bracelets is fine. I was at work doing something at some event. We had to all put away our phones, and I was stacking cups, and somebody looked at me like I was crazy, which I might be, (laughs) and I said, well, Jews have a custom of a number of times a year having a big meal um, with an amount of dead time in it that with no phones right right so my family is adept at uh throwing corks into cups from the other side of the table hey that's a skill set you can't monetize (laughs) as well as piling (laughs) things up in odd configurations (laughs) certainly during the Pesach Seder that comes up often we had friends who used to uh bring board games to the table so that if there was a lull in the conversation or in the meal, instead of having their kids run off because they wanted to condition their children to stay at the table longer, they would start a board game. 
Uh, yep, we don't have to do that, but yeah, we'll just you know talk amongst ourselves right i'm thinking pulling out the poker chips and dealing the cards is probably not the way to go you know mark you were one of the first phone calls that i made after nahum and i really tried and fleshed this through and spoke to sam lee and whatever it wasn't really fleshed through when you called me (laughs) no i'm not sure yet at at, at 4 15 (laughs) uh the day before the concert it's been completely fleshed through all right sparky there is but there was a moment where i called you and said hey mark sparky is better than pumpkin that is true and pumpkin is is for other people but i remember calling you and saying something to you like so want to go to paris something along those lines like you know, out of nowhere. I've also asked you if you wanted to go. Where was the other place? Not Belarus. Yeah, uh, it was to the uh, the Chavitz Chaim's grave. Correct. That was that was uh, that was a, another interesting phone call. You called me Beth. That was the only time I ever said no. Yes, you said to me mm, no. And actually, I don't wasn't think there it was only because I was busy. Right, and I'm not even sure you took a beat before you said no. But there was a conflict. There was a calendar conflict for you. But thank God there was no calendar conflict this time around. Even though we changed the date, I was going to say I'm reminded that we because I was off the first date we were doing this. Yeah, sorry about that. But either way, like like Richard Joel and I were having a conversation before uh, how I inconvenienced everyone. No, this is how we're spending our vacation. (laughs) Hello, it's not Albuquerque. We came to Paris. All good. Okay, really, I wouldn't know. (laughs) That's right. We haven't. We haven't really seen Paris, but let's be honest. When I first told you that I, that about this concept, your immediate reaction was, "Where do I pack?" Exactly. It was a Nasa initial kind of a moment. I, yeah. I don't question that at that point. At that point, though, we had already it, done Houston. I, I gotta say, yeah, I've been sort of peripherally doing this for thirty-two years, right? But he's never taken you out of Jersey City. You no. see what I'm whoa, saying? Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> My first trip to Israel. Okay. Other than okay. a three-year-old kid. Okay. Okay. I'm just All saying. Right. It's like standing outside the Knesset, and every passerby could not figure out how to use the camera to take. This is before phone cameras, <laughs> and and um, uh, we we hand the guy a camera, and he starts playing with the settings. I go, no, 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 it's automatic. Just shoot. And I, we realize this guy has four camera bags. He's the official photographer <laughs> of the Israeli government, and that is that iconic picture of the six of right. us in front of the Knesset at the perfectly framed shot where we all look. It was unbelievable. Remember when life was simpler? But I would say, I, I, I would say in, in 32 years, there's nothing that we've really set our minds to that we haven't been able to really pull off. So I'm not surprised that we're here. And I know all the work that goes into it. And I don't want anyone to think this is a turnkey operation because... <laughs> You know, I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, I, I mean, there's more rubber bands and paper clips in there. It would be with uh, like actual keys and gum and whatever. Chewing but, gum. Um, and, you know, I know uh, for Yoni and Jamie, this is their first sort of major. Although, um, I mean, Connecticut was sort of a major proposition, but it wasn't the major travel for Jamie. But, you know, I saw we went to Houston and, and, um, and certainly any of the other things we've done over the past 32 years. You know, when we put our mind to it, and, and part of the reason is... Um, there's so much goodwill built up around um, Nahum and the organization and, and the network that it's hard for people to say no it's when you proposition it. And that's... and that's In any language. Right. And, 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 and to some extent, I think that um, I don't know, to come out the wrong way, we're guilting people into being unified. Um, you know, I think that we're we're inspiring people to be unified, right? Or we're we're not giving them a choice but to be unified, and and sometimes that's sort of the the message is that at some point, you know, like Nachum said, um, you know, on Thursdays, Jamie in the AM. At some point, you just have to say when um, when we need to stick together, we need to stick together. 
No, I, I think you're I think you're 100 percent right. And actually, something else Nachum said this morning, on this morning's JM in the AM was when he uh, told President Joel that when he saw President Joel uh, for the first time in Paris um, at the Bataclan Memorial, that he personally felt a sigh of relief seeing Richard Joel there with us in Paris. And I know exactly how he felt. There was a there was just a calm. It was almost like a voice from home. It was almost like a familiar face, even though we're here with a lot of friends. And by the way, there are still people coming. There are people who booked tickets just a couple of days ago. Dr. Joe Rosazada, Rabbi Sharbat, they decided just a couple of days ago that they had to be here too mm -hmm. as part of this crazy endeavor. But seeing President Joel, who I personally have known since I am six, whose daughter is one of my closest and oldest friends, after having spent I don't know how many Shabbatot in his house as a kid, just seeing him there was like, okay, this is really happening. This is happening well. People are here to support it, and they get it. You know, there was always that, that moment of, are they going to get it? Are people going to understand really what we're looking at here, what we're trying to do? And by the way, as Nachum and I discussed it with many, many people, 98%, I would say, were completely supportive. And the two people or the three people who were not supportive of the concept were... Are supportive now. <laughs> no, no, were vociferously oh. not supportive right. for many, many reasons. And all of which are valid because people are entitled to their opinions. But it was nice to be surrounded this morning, even with even where we were, with people who really got it. Well, one and of you got I, it from the beginning. And one of the things I, I'd, I'd noticed, because you mentioned it before you were talking to Nachum, um, when it occurred to me that I was standing there with Nachum and, and President Joel, um, I asked Simon, um, Simon, to, Jacob. Simon Jacob, who was holding a camera, to see if he could walk across the street to get the three of us from the back of our heads wearing kippot in front of the memorial, because I thought that would be mm. the message of we've come right. to support. You know, it was very interesting. And then to see... Look, we, we, we certainly got more attention in front of that memorial than Prince Albert of Monaco. So uh, Yeah, everybody's like, who's that? Who's <laughs> no, that? There's a guy President in a suit. Joel, not a right? Prince of Monaco. Come on. <laughs> Forget it. Our key pote in front of that memorial made a big, much bigger splash than, uh, than anyone else. That, that is for sure. So, Mark, I have to express my hakarat hatov. I know that Nahum had us both on the air on Thursday uh, last week on JM and the AM where he and I went through a number of people that we... Um, have tremendous appreciation for and tremendous thanks and, and really could not have done this without. And that included our Jame and the AM team and Montes, et cetera, and everyone who's been subbing and helping from every single angle. But my God, Mark, how many times have I called you? You've never not picked up the phone. You're always there for support. Even I sometimes it, think twice. I know. I don't blame you. You and every other man in my life. But that's not the point. Because you think when you call from the <laughs> studio and it says unknown number that I don't know what is. I know. I'm trying to call from other people's phones now. But that's not the point. I really have to thank you. You and Montes have been massive supports from the beginning. From absolutely the beginning, it has been whatever you want. Fertig, I mean, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Fertig. I wouldn't be in Paris. I wouldn't be in this job. It wasn't for Mayor Fertig. But I especially appreciate everything that you have done for this project. Um, Houston, Bike for Chai, no matter what it is, it is a complete team effort. But I am so happy when it comes to these radio programs that you are leading that team. My pleasure. Um, I want to thank Jamie. Let's pass Jamie the mic for a second. Jamie's rolling her eyes. If you can catch Jamie rolling her eyes on camera, that's Jamie rolling her eyes. Because Jamie <laughs> made a deal with me that she would never 
never go on the air. How much time I got left, Yoni? Four minutes? Okay, so we'll do this. You Look, see? Look what I did. I held it to the end. By the way, I just want everyone to know that when we hired Yoni, I told him flat out that he was not going to Paris. Oh, well, I lied. But Jamie, I never, I, I did say also you weren't going to Paris. <laughs> I lied, I lied there too. But first of all, I want to thank you because you put in a tremendous amount of time, both in the studio and at home, making sure that everything that we do goes off as much as possible without a hitch. And you also are often the adult in the studio, let's be honest. <laughs> Happily. Well, I don't know if it's always happily, but it's certainly done with grace, and I really appreciate that. So now that, now that you came to Paris, and I warned you, and I said you're going to be working like a dog, and we're not going touring, and there's no time to shop, and whatever. Did I lie about any of that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still happy you came? Yeah, of course. Okay, I just, you know, I want to make sure. The baguettes are very good. <laughs> the, exactly. We had a baguette. Check off. You didn't have a baguette? They put more on your plate at the restaurant. <laughs> if you finish one, they right. put another right. one Nahum, on your you plate. should have just finished the first baguette. They would have given you more. You didn't follow that part. You didn't follow that part. That you don't know where country you're in? I don't know. That's every day right now of my life. I have no idea where we are. What is, is he signaling to me that I'm done? Oh, one and a half minutes. All right. So then, Jamie, you really got out of jail with get out with a get out of jail free card because you get thirty seconds. Good. But I want to thank you, and I want to thank Yoey, and I'm sure that Thanks. this wasn't easy. But um, but we also have a tremendous amount of Hakara Satov, so I appreciate it. Thank you. You are quite welcome. So you've been listening to that's live here at the Nachum Siegel Network from La Victoire, the great synagogue in Paris. Don't forget that the live lunch takes place right after this program. Avrami will be hosting the live lunch. We thank Avrami for everything that he's done. Again, I thank ZK for everything that he's done. You don't want to miss JM and AM tomorrow morning. Ye oh, I'll get to that in a sec. We don't want to miss JM and AM tomorrow morning. Six to nine, and guess what? Nachum will, please God, be back by then. <laughs> Nachum's like, what? No, no, no. You really are at FMU on Friday. There will be a plane ride in between, but he'll be back. You don't want to miss that. Malcolm on Friday? Yep. Malcolm on Friday? Malcolm Holmline. Of course, Malcolm Holmline. Do not miss the weekly update at 7.40 in the morning. Saturday Night Seagull is Masai Shabbos with Avrami, plus additional programming, of course, with Rabbi Lichtenstein and with, uh, with Rabbi Jacobson and with David Lichtenstein. Sunday morning, I'm sure Matis will be doing a recap from 7 to 9 in the morning. JM Sunday, don't miss it. We leave you with Birchas uh, Abanim by Ohad. What? If you missed the concert, what were you doing? No, I'm just kidding. The archive will certainly be available, is certainly available on our website. You can watch the video. It'll be available for a while, and don't worry, it's a long program, so you've got plenty of time to watch it. Again, Birchas Abanam by Ohad, that was featured in the concert last night. We really appreciate your support, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Speak to you, please, God, next week from New York. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Oh
Oh, so 